steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! podcast i am bj Rydell, back here with my guy drew mahold and today well we have plenty to cover here on this beautiful thursday morning with you guys uh your minnesota vikings are a work in progress following the preseason uh month of august following a couple of injuries we've got a few things to discuss with you know irv smith uh, Chris Herndon being acquired as a result of that. And also just the roster construction as a whole. Uh, the the cutdowns have happened. Um, we've seen kind of the initial 53-man roster and what this team is going to be shaped like heading into the 2021 campaign. Uh, and we have thoughts, as always, right? Um, and then we'll hit you with the you know some quick hitters. Of course, you guys know I'm going to spend some time talking about Sean Mannion because I'm not thrilled about that. But uh, that's going to be the bulk of the show here. Irv Smith, the roster construction, that type of thing. So um, that's the game plan for today. Let's uh, let's get right into it here since we do have a lot of ground to cover. Um, Irv Smith is certainly the headline, right? Like with, with everything that's kind of going on with not just the Vikings, but the NFL as a whole right now, just in terms of the news cycle. Uh, Irv Smith should be on your radar as kind of like the number one piece. And I'm sure a lot of you guys have been, you know, sulking over this, myself included. Um, a lot of optimism probably drained out of Vikings fans in recent days, uh, given what's going on with Irv Smith and his injury. Uh, most recently, it has been reported that he is, effect, is officially going to be out for the 2021 season. Now, this is important for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, I mean, this is a breakout player. I think a lot of people were expecting to see Irv Smith become the guy this year with Kyle Rudolph being released and then subsequently signing with the Giants. Uh, I think most people expected that Irv Smith was going to step into this role and become kind of a fixture for many years to come. Well, we're going to have to wait at least one more year for that to happen now. As a result, the Vikings, and this is unfortunate because it seems like we've, it feels like we find ourselves in this position every single year, uh, kind of had a desperation move and had to go out and get a replacement with Tyler Conklin also ailing from an injury as well. Brandon Dillon being cut. Uh, the Vikings didn't have a great option at tight end. So now it's Chris Herndon's time. And uh, it's an interesting situation. A lot of things kind of happening all at once. Uh but let's start with Irv Smith specifically and just kind of how devastating this is to lose, you know, a key piece. Uh, it changes the offense. Mike Zimmer has said as much. Uh, it's now going to go from potentially being a two wide receiver, one tight end team to potentially a three wide receiver scheme for you know, most frequently kind of in your base offense. Uh, there are going to be changes as a result. And then of course, you know, just the fact for Irv Smith, you got to feel for the guy. I mean, he was set by, Pretty like you know, from fantasy analysts to Adam Schefter to your local you know reporters, everyone had Irv Smith as a potential breakout candidate this year, and now that's not going to happen. Right, and it sounds like too, uh, it was you know it wasn't just that oh he's going to get more opportunities this year, but it was that he was like lighting it up in practices and in camp and stuff. So that's the disappointing part. And as a fan, I'm just I, you, you you hate to see something like that. So, um, but yeah, you're right. That's the point I wanted to get to was the whole. Um, you know, a panic move that the Vikings seem to make every year <laughs> uh, to kind of make up for an injury that happens preseason. Uh, and again, this year happened to be Irv Smith. They went out and got Chris Herndon, who's he's 
fine. He's got experience starting in the league as a tight end. Um, had been playing for the Jets. Nothing like spectacular there. Um, I am curious to see how the tight end reps, uh, you know, how the roles work. If if Conklin's still going to be starter, if Herndon's going to step in and do a lot of pass catching, what have you. Brandon Dillon is still there. Uh, and then they also picked up uh, Ben Ellison, North Dakota State tight end as well, off the waiver wire. So um, that tight end room suddenly looks very different from uh, this time a year ago, uh, thanks to some injuries and some panic moves and, and whatnot. But yeah, that, that sucks for Irv Smith. I think we were all expecting a big year from him. A very athletic. Um, obviously, produced quite a bit last year, given the circumstances, uh, being kind of behind Rudolph for a lot of the time. So um, he was due for some big things, but yeah, we got to wait one more year. So let's start here with what we are losing, right? By not having Irv Smith in this on this team. I kind of alluded to it a couple moments ago with just the the overall definition of the offense and kind of what that base looks looks like, right? Um what I mean by base is essentially the, the lineup that they trot out on ESPN for you as the starting lineup. Um, Irv Smith was going to be included in that, and the tight end position as a whole was, of course, going to be a p- big piece of that 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 base formation for the Vikings offense this year. Um, in the last 48 hours, that has changed dramatically for a couple of different reasons. First and foremost, you know, the explosiveness and the style of play of Irv Smith is unique to Irv Smith, right? I mean, this is a guy that is able to, you know, run four, 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 five, four, six in that area. Uh, great straight line speed, excellent lateral movement. And then he's progressed as a blocker as well. So this is a guy who has, you know, in a pretty short time become a fairly solid all around tight end with great, I should probably say excellent pass catching ability. Uh, a guy that could truly be devastating downfield. I've personally likened him to Vernon Davis in the past. I mean, that was the tight end that kind of broke the mold for me when I was growing up. So I see a lot of Vernon Davis and Irv Smith. So you losing that type of piece in your offense is huge just in and of itself. It changes the, th- the way you want to go about things. It also changes just how the Vikings are going to approach this season now. The D.D. Westbrook deal looks a lot better right now because while he's not a tight end, he technically will be picking up some of those snaps as an Irv Smith replacement in, you know, in, in technically speaking, right? Um, the other piece, the other shoe that drops here is that now you bring in Herndon, who I think I'm a little bit more optimistic than Drew is on, on Herndon just because, you know, I remember pre-injury Chris Herndon. Um, and I think I remember, you know, a player who has dynamic pass catching ability. I do not like him as a blocker. I'm just going to say that right now. I know Mike Zimmer said he's okay at it. I don't like him as a blocker at all. I think to me, he's a guy that's not going to be attached to the formation. He's going to be closer to a wide receiver than a, t- than a true pure tight end. Uh, but he offers upside in that regard. He's a great pass catcher, excellent athlete. It's the injury luck with him. And this kind of goes back on Drew's point here about the desperation move. You only get a guy like Chris Herndon if he has that injury history, especially for, you know, a later round pick. I'm not thrilled about the fourth, it being a fourth round pick. I would have liked to have seen it be a sixth or a seventh. That's neither here nor there. But with Herndon, it changes the style of play just inherently because of the type of tight end he is. You know, you've seen these tight ends in this offseason in particular talk about how difficult this role is, how many different hats you have to wear. Well, Herndon doesn't wear all the hats that Irv Smith does. And more importantly, he doesn't know the playbook yet. So this is a guy who's probably sitting 
two, three, potentially even four weeks as he kind of gets accustomed into the Vikings. I mean, he'll play, rotation. but it won't be a big role. You know, it, it'll be minimized. So, like, in terms of fantasy, he won't have an impact right away, right. obviously. Right. So you're looking at probably 15 snaps in basic style plays, you know, running a quick flag or something like that. Um, that being said, this deal could go sideways real quick, which makes me, you know, as a fan of, you know, what Rick Spielman does and kind of the wheeling and dealing, uh, this makes it a kind of, it puts him in a bit of a tough spot mm-hmm. where it's like, if this guy gets hurt after not even really knowing the playbook, this goes from being a desperation move that we're all kind of looking at questionably to a move where, you know, this next off season will point to as being like, Hey, this is why, this is just another reason why the Vikings have failed in recent years is because they're yeah. making these desperation type moves in desperate, desperate situations. Well, and it's, I think it also points that the Vikings do see themselves as mm-hmm. a win now team, yeah. um, which is kind of frustrating as a fan. And I mean, not obviously you want your team to be trying to win all the time, but it's like, I, to me, this roster is not ready to win now. And so you're only, you know, you're, you're risking, more of the future for something that it probably won't make a difference this year. Right. Like bringing in Herndon, uh, you're giving up a fourth round pick that could be something, you know, that has more upside to it, I suppose, and bringing in Herndon for, I don't know what's left on his deal or whatever, but, um, kind of that panic move thing. And the, it just brings me back to the Ngakwe stuff last year where, you know, with Hunter's injury, they, and Bradford before uh, that, right? you know, freaked out. And I mean, there's, there's several examples of this, uh, but the Ngakwe thing, they, they kind of, Oh, well, we got to keep our team afloat here with Ngakwe and whatever brought him in and then quickly got rid of him, realizing that they had made the mistake. So um, this isn't as high profile as that, but it's just another instance where Rick um, and the team there maybe get a little bit panicky. And not that, you know, again, I think Herndon will come in, he'll be a solid player. Uh, it's just not sure it was worth that price tag right now. And I know, I don't think they're paying all the, the salary. I think the Jets are going to pay his, something. Uh, a portion of his He's salary, so on basically a veterans deal. They're yeah, so at least the Vikings are Vikings are paying basically that minimum of it, I believe, or something along those lines. Um, so it's it's. I mean, it's not a huge deal. It's just the philosophy of it is something I don't quite agree with. But there's a lot of things I don't agree with with this team. Sometimes <laughs> you look at the the deal specifically, right? It ends up being a fourth round swap for Chris Herndon. The Vikings also get a sixth round pick as compensation in that deal too. Um, the main kind of takeaway from that deal. And I think a couple of guys in the, the climbing the pocket team, you know, put this together right away is that the Vikings were willing to sacrifice draft resources in order to make it work with the cap, which that to me in itself is a little bit concerning. Now I want to make sure that I point this out. Cause I know someone's going to say it otherwise is that I know it's a fourth round pick and I know that, realistically speaking fourth round picks don't tend to turn out all that well it's not that big of a deal generally speaking and for what it's worth if chris herndon plays to the his potential he's absolutely worth a fourth round pick and it works that's fine the the question the question there is kind of within that process and i think there is some progression from the vikings based off what we saw last year with the deal daniel hunter situation where the vikings didn't even fully understand the injury at least from what they broadcasted to us, right, with the Neil Hunter, at least yeah, in, this, yeah. in this situation, they have came, they've been forthright. They actually broke down exactly the decisions that they made. And for what it's worth, I think the Vikings did a great job selecting the correct surgery for Irv Smith, making sure that he's going to have a long, you know, fruitful career. Uh, with, Not as rushing it him back. To help. Exactly. And We're that's, seeing that whole, that type of thing 
uh, with Michael Thomas right now, where he yes. and with the Saints, where they kind of were like, you have to be playing this year instead of getting the surgery that you need. And now he's going to miss the start of this season because of all that. And actually, to begin the whole thing was Sean Payton was playing him in a game that was already over, and that's when he got hurt. But that's a different that's a different topic. So it looks like at least the Vikings have that going for them. I mean, again, I'm not a huge fan of this deal. I think I could look back on this conversation in a couple months and you know, we might be completely off base sure, here. Yeah. It's entirely possible that Hernan walks in and becomes, you know, an important role player on this team. But uh, nevertheless, it is kind of that sudden blow, that desperation move that you hope works out, but it's hard to be optimistic given these circumstances. Now, the Vikings as a whole, I think that this is, you know, another important piece that we continuously bring up is that every time the Vikings make one of these moves, it's a win now move, right? Like what Drew was just alluding to before that. I think there is some discrepancy there between what the Vikings think they are and what the general public thinks they are. It's not just us that are quote negative about the Vikings, right? I think that we're fairly objective and we're fairly reasonable relative to the rest of the world. This is a move that says, Hey, we're trying to win a super bowl right now. We believe we can win a super bowl right now. We don't care about that fourth round pick because we think we have the roster composition to get things done now or in the near future. That in itself can backfire immediately, oh, right? Yes. If the Vikings go down week one to Cincinnati, there's a real shot that they start 0-4 and, and this Herndon deal, no matter what he does this season, it could look terrible immediately. Immediately. Now, yep. again, I'm playing a game of what if. I know that. But I'm saying if you're a GM who's trying to save your job, and that's basically what Rick Spielman is, to a degree, I think he's not on the hot seat, but he's getting close to it. It's heating up for sure. If this goes sideways, that we could see a completely different complexion of this, not just this roster next year with all the, you know, the moving parts. I mean, things could get totally, coaches you know, it could be a whole up. new ship, you know? Yeah. yeah it's, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on all that. And, and again, I, it's just, that's why I was so relieved in a way that they, did go like after like Kellen Mond in the draft, you know, like there's right. some sign of forward thinking uh, because I mean, I just, I cannot grasp the fact that you look at how the team played last year and you're like, run it back. That's what we want. You know? I mean, it's like, like I cannot, I, I, I can't do, I can't understand that line of thinking. I get the injuries, whatever, but like at some point you just got to win regardless of the circumstances, you know? Um, I don't want to, I mean, this is a singular example. So I, I, this is kind of cherry picking an example, but the 2010 Packers, man, how many injuries did that team have? And they went on and won the Super Bowl. I mean, they were battered and bruised all season long, lost so many key players, so many starters, and they ended up winning the Lombardi trophy. So, uh, I mean, again, that's one example. And they had the, one of the best quarterbacks of of all, one of the best quarterbacks of all time playing on that team. But it's just, yeah. I'm kind of sick of the, the, the excuses on that, I guess, to be, to, to be honest. And that's why I'm so upset with the depth on this team right now, because it's football, it's football. People are going to get hurt. You're not going to have Neil Hunter, um, Dalvin Tomlinson, Michael Pierce, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, all those guys, all year long. You're just not, that's, that's an unrealistic expectation to have. And you're going to have to deal with the depth that is on the roster, which is, um, not something to be trusted. And so I just, it kind of circles all into this whole win now mode that I'm not a huge fan of right now. I think it should be more of a developmental um, approach 
and um, I'm not seeing that right now. And I think that is jeopardizing the Vikings in the future here a little bit. And this move kind of shows it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you look back at, you know, previously good Vikings teams. And it's not just the, you know, it's not just the Packers that were able to go to run the table despite injuries. It's, you know, it's other teams as well. I mean, the Chiefs had injuries a couple of years ago. I mean, Tampa Bay had injuries. I personally always kind of judge Vikings teams based off that 2009 Favre team. Because to me, you know, I didn't grow. I was seven years old when 1998 happened. Mm -hmm. So like my basis for like how I'm going to evaluate a Vikings team goes off of that 2009 team. And if you remember, EJ Henderson went down early in the season and Jasper Brinkley was your signal caller all the way through the NFC championship game against the Saints. And I think all of us would agree that that was a Super Bowl caliber Vikings team that should, you know, I think there's a lot of what ifs there that we don't need to get into today. But uh, my point being here is kind of what Drew was saying is that you got to be able to roll with the punches. Irv Smith is an important piece. He's not the piece. This is not Kirk. You didn't lose your quarterback. You didn't lose Cousins. I mean, you didn't lose Eric Kendricks. You didn't lose Harrison Smith. You didn't lose Dalvin Cook. You lost probably your number three option on offense. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings. But it's like it's like you have to this. if you're if you're going to be a win now team, you have to be able to trust the roster you have. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. You have to yes. be able to trust. Well, if this guy gets hurt, next man up. No, you know, you're not no hitch in the system, no uh, time period to get acclimated for some new guy to bring in. And it's it's kind of a mixed signals bag there for the Vikings. Like, well, if you trust your guys, your win now team, you better trust the depth on your team. And if you don't trust the depth on your team, you're probably not ready to win right now. Yeah. And that's and that's the truth of it. So, I, I mean, a lot of this remains to be seen. Uh but we do have a good handle on what this team is going to look like now mm -hmm. um, as a result of this Irv Smith injury. Again, I, I do give the Vikings props for getting out in front of this one and kind of dealing with it and getting this thing set before you're starting to prepare for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Um, we have a good handle on what this team's going to look like. There are some moving parts. Of course, you know, Irv Smith is not the only injury. There are, you know, some real concerns with Anthony Barr uh, just with Derisaw. Derisaw, of course, being, you know, the rookie that has been, you know, hampered by injury throughout camp and into the preseason. And it looks like that's going to make its way to the regular season as well. But as a whole, right, you have an interesting group of players here. It's a good mix. This is one thing I will say about the Vikings roster. It is a good mix of young talent and veteran talent, which mm -hmm. generally is a good signal for a playoff caliber team. This is one thing I will give them for sure, is that the composition of this roster in terms of age and development is on par with teams that are going to make the sure. post. I think that's fair to say. Now, yeah. let's look at this. Let's look at this roster kind of up and down. Um, we'll go through some of the key pit hitters here. I don't think we need to go through all of it. You know, starting with the quarterback position, of course, Kirk Cousins and Kalamata are going to be your two guys. A little bit of a surprise there with Jake Browning. Um ultimately being attempted to sign in the practice squad and then deciding not to sign with the team last I heard, at least uh, based off of what we were hearing with Sean Mannion. Uh, so not, not many surprises there. Again, the running back position, not many surprises. I think most of us thought it was going to be cook and Madison, you know, AJ Rose comes back on the practice squad, which we you know said was going to happen. No, not a whole lot of surprises there. So really the first one for me is at that wide receiver spot. Um, the composition of that specific depth chart, right? Five receivers, which is interesting in and of itself in a passing league, mm -hmm. right? Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, of course. But the next three guys here, KJ Osborne, Amir Smith-Marset, and Didi Westbrook. That's going to be your front five for the wide receiving core. All five of those guys are going to play for sure. And it also 
you know, you no longer have Chad Beebe. I know he's got the injury, uh, but it's a different group this year outside of your top two stars. It's going to be a different mm-hmm. type of production. You've also got different styles of players. And I think just inherently, Amir Smith-Marset, him making the roster is, you know, out the gate. Um, it's something that a lot of us may not have expected based off of the words early in camp from Mike Zimmer. But I think there is real reason to be excited about this player specifically based off of the progression that he's shown. And he's gotten to the point where he's not going to be a practice squad guy. He's on the 53. Right. Uh, I'm excited about him. And I think the real, well, those comments you're referring to, I think it was mostly about kind of Zimmer just trying to drill in that point. I don't, I don't think he was, I think, I mean, he did single him out, but I think it was a part of a larger message to the, to the team and to new players that joined the Vikings. Like if you're going to join my team and you're going to be a backup player, which most of the guys are, then you're going to play special teams. And so I think I took, I took uh, Amir Smith-Marset a little bit of time to get that message in, you know, ingrained into him. But um, as long as he figures that out, he contributes on special teams. He'll be a good player for this team. Again, he's crazy good athlete. Um, Sounds like he's going to be a return man potentially. So, Mm -hmm. um, and then there's all kinds of um, fun ideas. I'm sure that Clint Kubiak's got up his sleeve to get him involved a little bit. So uh, again, this receiving group, I'm not, thrilled about the idea of what happens if the Thielen or uh, Jefferson get hurt. Yeah. Uh, these guys are very, I mean, Os- obviously Osborne and ISM are extremely inexperienced as, you know, starting wide receivers, DD Westbrook coming off the injury, not quite yeah. sure how that's going to work out. So very thin in that perspective, but in the event, all five guys, well, the first, the top two guys are healthy for vast majority of the season. Mm-hmm. I think you can do worse. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's an interesting situation. I, I think that, you know, the veteran, the quote veteran, Westbrook, becomes becomes your inherent wide receiver three to start. But I think all three of these guys, Osborne, ISM, Westbrook, any one of them could end up being your, your number three target. Um, depending on how this, even like the first month, first two months play out. Um, you know, I think Osborne's going to be the guy to start with Westbrook still kind of getting in, you know, kind of getting into the mix, making sure he fully understands the playbook, you know, fully recovering from that injury. Uh, he's going to probably be your guy to start. It's uh, to me, it's going to be his opportunity to lose to a degree. Uh, but you've also got ISM and Westbrook too, who are going to be fighting for reps and guys who are going to be produ- productive in different styles of like in different ways. Right. Um, I don't think that Osborne ISM and Westbrook are the same receiver, right? They're not, none of them are pro typical slot types. Right. Some like I think ISM is probably the closest to that Westbrook. You could play on the outside. He did play on the outside, but he's also been like a quarter L Patterson type where it's just a manufactured touch player. Um, it's interesting because I don't think there is a true blue fundamental stud outside of Jefferson and Thielen in that wide receiver group. So we'll see how that develops. I'll be interested to watch on, you know, kind of the ways that these younger players and I mean, Westbrook, we're calling him a veteran. I mean, he's really not even a veteran. He's a younger player too. So there's real room for potential development there. Uh, we talked about the tight end spot a little bit. Brandon Dillon does end up making the roster. I made the mistake earlier saying that he was cut. Uh, Conklin's going to be your fixture until uh, Herndon is able to get going. Uh, and then Ben Ellison as well, like Drew mentioned, interesting guy that finally makes the roster there. Um, offensive line. Fairly predictable to a degree. I think Dakota Dozier being cut uh, was a surprise, right? Uh, I think a lot of us were bit. expecting him to kind of just make it as the, you know, being the quote incumbent starter. I think a lot of us thought that he would be on the initial roster. Uh, but Aliudo, how about that, right? What a. It sounds like he's going to be the favorite to start. 
What, um, what progress from this player, by the way, to get to mm-hmm. the point where he is now? Yeah, I know. I'm that that was a really cool and positive development out of camp and in preseason. I think that we didn't really expect, but I think a lot of Vikings fans, you know, there's and it, it, it is a little unfair to the way sort of Dozier has been received by fans. I think, and I mean, obviously, on field performance is what it is, but like we said, there's there's characteristics of being you know a locker room guy and things like that that we don't quantify. So, and it, it sounds like he, I think he is back to the practice squad, so he's still around, and that is still those types of intangibles are still right. with the team, but obviously that progress from Udo is, is really important. And then if he can, if he can bring it to the regular season, that's going to be a nice boost. Absolutely. And then it's also worthy of noting that Wyatt Davis makes the initial 53 as well. A guy that was uh, criticized early um, by the coaching staff, the media, et cetera, and then kind of came on late. And I think we talked about him a little bit on the last podcast as being a guy that has progressed uh, throughout the mm-hmm month of August and he makes the roster as well. So that's good to see uh, from a mid round pick and a guy that I think a lot of us were really excited about coming out of, you know, a big 10, you know, program and a guy that has a lot of experience mm-hmm. in his position. So uh, that's good to see as well. Uh, moving on to the defensive side of the football. Now, I don't think there's a whole lot of surprises on the defensive no. side. I think, you know, we've been saying this a lot uh, kind of throughout the off season that we kind of knew what we were going to be in terms of defense, because you bring in so many veteran veteran players that really aren't going to be cut. Right. Like there wasn't any expectation that any of the cornerbacks that the Vikings brought in Peterson, Breland, Alexander, specifically, those guys were 53 locks, right? Like there's nothing, right. there is nothing weird there. Um, Chris Boyd makes the 53 uh, just on a personal level. I love that for him. I don't know how great of a player he has the potential to be, but really cool guy. A lot of fun. If you've been watching those, you know, the riddle videos, Chris Boyd is always in the center of those as being hilarious. Love seeing a guy like that make the roster. He's definitely an energizer bunny and a guy that you want to have on your team when, you know, things aren't looking too great because he has that positive attitude and that good mentality. So that's exciting to see for him. But outside of that, I mean, you mentioned Ryan Connolly last week as kind of being a surprise and kind of a player that you were particularly intrigued with at the linebacker spot. He makes the 53. Blake Lynch and Chaz Surratt both make the 53 as well. I think those guys are you know, going to be special teams fixtures for this team this year. But in terms of who your starters are going to be and who are going to be your kind of rotational spot starter types, I don't think there's any major developments in that area. No, no. I think the next question then is that I'm curious about uh, personally is like really the the defensive end spot quite a bit um, in terms of uh, how much does Everson Griffin fit in there um, once he's officially back on the roster, (laughs) Um, which that whole thing is I'm still trying to grasp all of that. But it's above my head. And I feel like I feel like we've been doing because essentially they they, released a long snapper and and punter uh, Cole quit to make room for guys that they could keep. And then put on IR after the deadline, so that those IR guys could then be eligible to come back at some point during the season. Because Earth Smith's on that IR now, where he could come back in the event the Vikings make a playoff run, mm-hmm. and in four or five months he's actually available. Um, but anyway, long story. Everson Griffin's going to be back. Is he going to be a starter? Is he going to be a rotational guy in there? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the part I'm I'm curious about myself. Uh, but otherwise everything else seems pretty kind of chalky, if you will. Um, obviously we've talked about dance. They're kind of falling down the depth chart a little bit. And when you bring in, you know, Breland Peterson, Alexander, like, I think that was a little bit expected for him to kind of fall down, but he's basically cornerback five now. Um, so 
which is going to be different for him, I think. And it's probably humbling for him too, but hopefully that kind of, as we've talked about, hopefully that motivates him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, otherwise everything's pretty expected. Kendrick's bar and vigil are going to be your linebackers that Michael Pierce, Dallin Tomlinson dynamic is going to be fun to watch. Sheldon Richardson mm-hmm. mixing in there. Um, at safety, Harrison Smith and Xavier Woods, as expected. Uh, I know Josh Metellus wasn't maybe a favorite player of ours coming out of the draft, but he's sticking right. around. Must be he's uh, you know he's showing showing up on special teams too. So otherwise, I got nothing else really to add other than uh, you know the the reported interest that the Vikings have in Sean Mannion as back quarterback, which caused some conversation out there. And I don't think anything's official yet. Uh, I just saw that Chris Thomason reported that. Uh, when he was released, I was at Seattle, I believe released him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vikings then were kind of looking for him potentially to join the team. I don't think I have seen anything official yet come through, but, um, I know, I know you have some thoughts on that and I do too, actually. <laughs> well, first and foremost, I just want to say, I, I didn't mention Josh Metellus specifically. Uh, that was, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I like seeing him on there. Cause that signals a couple of different things for him specifically, if you look at his mock draftable spider chart, right? The athleticism build for Metellus. I think a lot of us saw that initially and we're like, this guy has no shot. So good on him because he's clearly doing the fundamental things right. And that generally makes for a great special teams player. So Mm -hmm. excited for him, but I do want to talk about Sean Mannion because I think that this is, this is beating a dead horse to a degree, but the Vikings are forcing me to beat this horse because they keep bringing this dude back. And Drew and I had a, I think a fairly spirited and comprehensive discussion earlier about what you want to have at your quarterback position. You want to have three quarterbacks. You want to have your staple, your starter. You want to have a developmental player. And then if you have, you know, a guy that's not necessarily, you know, Mon specifically, he's not necessarily ready. You do want to have a guy who can give you quality reps, right? Give you a quote, 30% chance to win a football game. If Kirk Cousins has to miss time, short time, specifically a week or two, given, you know, an ankle injury or something of that nature, right? Uh, Sean Mannion makes sense in that regard, right? Based on the mold that Drew and, uh, Drew and I, you know, built up for you guys it makes sense to have that veteran presence behind cousins to because Mon, you know, in theory, I guess we don't know this only the coaching staff does isn't quote ready to go yet. So he makes sense in that regard, bringing in that veteran presence. My problem with Sean Mannion continues to be that I don't care how smart he is. I, I just don't like if he's great at holding a clipboard, that's awesome. Make him a coach, take him off the salary cap. He's not good enough to win football games as a starting quarterback in the NFL straight up. You already know that when he trots out onto the field as your starting quarterback, you know, week 16 in a situation where you need to win the game and you don't have cousins available, you have basically no shot. That's Mm -hmm. the only point that I need to drive home here. I don't think I need to say much more than that. Like you have no shot if this guy has to play. So why not just make him a coach if he's that important to your team in other areas? Go out and sign someone else. I don't even – hell, I don't know if there's a, quote, better option right now, but there will be. There always is. Cam Newton is out there. If you truly want a veteran guy that can give you quality reps and give you a true shot to win a game, I mean, I know Cam Newton's probably going to be a little expensive, but he also signed in New England at a minimum deal, and he's probably looking for an opportunity. You know, like, I'm not saying bring in Cam Newton. I'm saying bring him in instead of Sean Mannion right? Like there are better options out there. There have to be because this guy, we know who he is. You just saw how the Vikings reacted to Jake Browning when they found out quote who he is, right? They got rid of him. They let him go. They let him do his own thing. 
they should be doing the same thing with Sean Mannion because you know who this guy is. He's just strictly not a on-field player. He's an excellent mind, apparently very good in the locker room, sees a lot of things on film. Make him a coach. Please, just make him a coach. (laughs) Yeah, and I think the other element is just the unknown of Kellen Mond that, I mean, we've we've seen three preseason games, and it certainly hasn't been pretty every time. 100% agree with all of that. Um, But we also haven't seen him play with Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and a first-team offensive line either. So there's the unknown elements to Kellen Mond's game that his potential is certainly 1,000% higher than right. Sean Mannion's. And so in that event where, you know, obviously we don't, we don't want Kirk, Kirk Cousins getting hurt for the sake of the Vikings in that event that he does and multiple games are missed. Um, I like having the, the volatility of Kellen Mond available to right. plug and play a lot more than the, we know what Sean Mannion is. He's going to, you know, throw the ball, dump it off for five yards, every play. Um, not going to take your deep shot and the deep shots he does take are not going to be successful type player that man is. And he's not gonna be able to move at all either in the pocket uh, makes Kirk cousins look like, you know, you know, I don't know, Dak Prescott in there moving around. So it's uh, it's just, I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. Um, I know Mond has certainly shown not a lot and it's very much a project still, mm-hmm. uh, but make him your QB too, because I, I, I was, we were discussing a little bit and and our climbing the pocket kind of group chat a little bit with this whole discussion. And, you know, I, some people are saying, well, Kalaman's not ready. And I'm like, I, I know, I don't care. Like, like how, the only, what's the, how is he going to get ready? You, you play it. I mean, right. how, right. Uh, what's the better way to get him ready than by playing him in the NFL in regular season games, there's no better way. Um, and so he might not be ready now. Then, and part of this goes with my thinking that the Vikings aren't ready to win now. So why not have him be your backup? And if something happens to Kirk, play him mm-hmm. and let him get acclimated to NFL game speed with NFL team one players, like starting players that are all pro like Adam Thiel and Justin Jefferson and see what he can turn into. And no, it probably won't be even a, you know, uh, annual starting quarterback. He might not, he probably won't be that, but at least find out, right? Right. Find out. And maybe he is a superb starting player. Who knows? Um, but you're not going to know that if you play Sean Mannion over him. <laughs> so a couple things off of that. First and foremost, I just want to say, what is ready? Like, what does that mean? Like there's. Was like, Tom I, Brady I, ready when he took over for Drew Bledsoe? I don't think so. <laughs> Was Aaron Rodgers ready sitting behind Brett Favre? Like, I think everyone's like, yeah, of course he was. He's sitting behind Brett Favre for a couple of years, but like maybe he was quote ready when they drafted him. He might've been like, there's no. Was Deshaun Watson. Who did Deshaun Watson replace in in Houston that after that? uh, He he sat for, for like five games that year as a rookie. It was like Tom Savage or something like that. Yeah, It might've been Tom Savage. I think like was, was Deshaun Watson ready? Like was Pat Mahomes ready that first year in Kansas city? Maybe. I don't know what that's, that's a big thing. I don't know what ready means. And to your point, how do you find out unless he plays? Like if you think about just, if you relate this to your own personal life, like your first job out of college, were you ready to start working? I mean, I probably wasn't. I don't don't know. You know, like I, I don't think there's a true definition for what ready means. And moreover, who knows the answer anyways? No one. There's no strict timeline for how to develop a quarterback the proper way, or we'd, every team would be doing it the same way, right? 
there's no there, like it, why are the Bears sitting Justin Fields? I don't know that either. It doesn't make why, sense. Why, not why, ready? Are the, why are the Jags and the Jets playing their rookies right away? Or why why did the ready? Patriots give up on Mac or uh, give up on Cam to start Mac Jones right away? Is he ready? I I mean we're gonna find out week one. You know, yeah. like it's like, they don't know. No, no one knows. That's the thing. No one knows. And the answer is the same with Kellen Mann, and that's why he's so much more appealing than Sean Mannion because no one knows. No one knows what what Kellen Mond is. We do know what Sean Manning is. So it's like the more important point here, too, is that when you sign a veteran quarterback to have as your third piece, when you have a Kellen Mond on your roster, you're basically saying, like, we need you in the event that Cousins misses a week, right? That's basically what you're saying, okay? If Cousins misses one week, that's it. Kellen Mond can fit, can, you know, put him in there, play like hell and if you lose you lose right like it's a one week ordeal why why make it a show why even bother Sean Mannion? like why even yes why even bother now if it's a long-term injury right we go back to the Peyton Manning quote that I love so much right if if 18 goes down we're screwed right that's the same thing with the Vikings if Kirk Cousins misses significant time this season is over I don't care how you doesn't matter who plays quarterback it doesn't it doesn't you can have Patrick Peterson play quarterback the season is over period so why not have it just be Kellen, the Kellen Mond show? Find out. Hey, give him some more reps. Give him more, more opportunities. He'll probably figure it out. And, I'm again, I'm going to go back to this, and I know people don't really seem to care that much with the quarterback position, but the legs that he has underneath him in itself give you an opportunity to win. And the fact that he's not on film anywhere outside of the preseason also gives you a chance to win. Sean Mannion's on film, and we know what his legs can do. With Nothing. Kellen Mond – He's an unknown across the league, basically, and he's thought of by us, coaching staffs, GMs, et cetera, scouts, as a project player. No one's going to fear Kellen Mond if he walks out there. What if this dude goes out there and shows all the tools, the strong arm? That's, I mean, it's just – that's it goes it takes me back to that Joe Webb game, the Philly game. I mean, I guess, that, yeah. it, it's the same thing. Like, they, they certainly didn't expect it. Not, nobody expected anything. This is his first career start in the NFL. He has the, the athleticism, like, like – Joe, I was a crazy athlete. Um, Viking season was lost. So they take their, Hey, what, why not see what this guy's got, you know? Um, and, uh, you know, and went out there and he made a bunch of plays with his feet, uh, made a couple of really good throws when it was, when it mattered and they won the game when they really shouldn't have. And the Eagles were fighting for a key playoff spot there and they, they didn't get that win. Vikings got to play spoiler. Um, that's now I'm not saying Mond is or isn't Joe Webb. I'm just saying like, it's a, it's a decision similar to that where you've got the high upside type player with also a low floor, but I mean, what's the risk? Your team sucks anyway, if Kirk cousins isn't playing. So. Yeah, that's kind of, that's really the only point that needs to be driven home. Honestly, it's like if Kirk goes down for more than three weeks, I'd say you're probably done. Like that's probably it. Like three straight losses. Like that's probably going to knock you out regardless. So it's like, once that happens, find out what you got. Like I, the unknown is what is both the, you know, the good and the bad, right? Like the unknown in itself gives you hope, right? Which is really the most powerful element in all of sports is, is hope. And Sean Mann, <laughs> Sean Mann, he doesn't give it you is, any hope. It is, by the way, it is sad how little hope I have for this team right now. And the Sean Mannion thing, just like, it's a, it's it, like, it like, like took me over the edge almost. It was like, okay, I just officially just nothing left. Like, cause like, even it's like, well, 
there might be a glimpse into the future if for some reason Mond has to play a lot this year. We could actually see and maybe he's got something and could turn into a franchise quarterback. Maybe like that's it was one thing I was actually kind of looking forward to this year. It's potentially seeing that now. Not that I want to see Kirk injured or anything, but like, right. You know, there was that side of it where if the Viking season was going poorly or Kirk was out or whatever, we got to see that. Uh, but then you bring in Mannion and that just crushes my hopes and dreams. And <sighs> we're back to 2019 where, yeah, I mean, it's, it's frustrating as fans, right? Because really what you're selling us other than the ticket to the game itself is you're selling us on potential, on hope, mm-hmm. opportunity, um, you know, maybe, maybe that this team could get over the hump some way, somehow. Right. And we all want to know who Kellen Mond is as a quarterback. I know the coaching staff does too. The easiest way to find out is to put him into a high leverage situation where he has to operate as the guy. And until you do that, I mean, quote, like you're not going to know if he's ready until you put him in that situation, regardless. It doesn't really matter if it's week eight this year or, you know, week 17, three years from now. I mean, all you're doing right now is basically wasting the rookie deal in the event that Cousins goes, you know, south, something happens to him. You're just wasting a year of an opportunity to see who Kellen Mond is, right? Like, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And, again, the ready thing, I got questions. You know, the the hope thing, I got questions. Like, it's just – it's 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 a tough move for me. I don't like it. I'm not happy with it. I'll never be on board with it. You, I don't – I'm going to be stubborn about this one, guys. Like, I just I, – I don't like Sean Mannion on the roster. It doesn't make sense to me, and I don't think it ever will. I don't think there's anything that anyone can say to change my mind on this. So – you know, whether I'm wrong, right, whatever, I'm going down. I'm dying on this hill. I, the only thing that would change your mind is if he goes in and wins a game as a starting quarterback. Yeah, but like win, like wins the game, right? Like I'm talking, like he'd have to go like 18 for 22 with like 220 yards and a touchdown pass and no turnovers for me to be like, all right, this could work for a couple weeks, right? He's yeah. not going to do that though. This dude has an, a career average of six yards per attempt through the air. That's how far the ball travels on average throughout Sean Mannion's career is six yards. He doesn't even average throwing the ball more than that through the air. Like this isn't average yards per attempt folks. This is how much the ball travels in the air. He's basically a, his average pass is a dump off to Dalvin cook or a quick hitter to Justin Jefferson on a slant. That's basically his average, his entire career. What more do you need to know than the fact that the guy doesn't want to throw the ball? Period. Like he doesn't even want to throw it downfield, let alone can he? We don't even, I mean, I, I think I know, but like you don't really even know because he doesn't attempt it. Like he's a true game manager. He's not, he does not have the potential to be a great player like Kellen Mond. I, I think it's fair to say that Kellen Mond has the potential to be a great player. Sean Mannion does not. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm standing. I'm dying on this hill. And I hope he proves me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead laying on, you know, by myself on this hill. And Sean Mannion is, you know, the right guy for the job. But I just really don't think that's going to be the case. So let's move on from there. I think we got a couple other things that I want to touch on real quick before we wrap this thing up. We didn't mention uh, the defensive end battle a whole lot. Uh, I think there's still some question marks there. I don't believe a starter opposite Neil Hunter has been effectively named yet. Uh, it's DJ Wanham. And uh, Weatherly, of course, are going to be kind of the guys that were in rotation for that spot. Uh, just, you know, as a fan, right, or as a fanalist, as we like to say, who would you like to see based off of what you know about what? We- I mean, we know Weatherly a lot better than Wanham. Um, I think, you know, there is reason to believe that Wanham 
gives you more opportunity in the same sense that we were just talking about with Mond versus Mannion, where you don't necessarily know who mm -hmm. Mondo is just yet, whereas we kind of know who Stephen Weatherly is. I mean, he's been with the team on and off. Um, you know, I think we know who this guy is at this point, and he's just not a starter quality player. Uh, so is DJ Wanham the guy? Does he start week one, or how do the Vikings approach the situation? Yeah, I mean, I think it it'll be matter. Weatherly. Um I mean, I'm, I just brought up the Vikings official depth chart on their website and they have Weatherly as the starter. Um, they also have Everson Griffin on there as uh, behind Hunter. So it, I, I would imagine it's updated a little bit. Um, so, you know, I mean, I'm not thrilled about either one. I know Weatherly wasn't super productive last year with uh, Carolina. Um, but, you know, they, they get an opportunity and they'll always have that advantage playing opposite Neil Hunter, right? Because... You know, you're going to get one-on-one -on -one essentially every single snap. So, um, at whoever it is, I don't care. Just step up and be a viable threat um, because the Vikings did not have one of those last year when Ngakwe was traded. What do we need from the op the spot opposite to Neil Hunter? Like, for a you know, I don't like quantifying it. Function. I don't like quantifying it as sacks um, because I think it's, you know, pressure rate, things like mm -hmm. that um, matter a lot more. But, um, you know, I, I want the quarterback to be – fearful of both ends a little bit. You know, I think mm -hmm. last year, neither end was uh, <laughs> yeah. providing fear for the quarterback. So mm -hmm. um, I, I just, that's it. That's it. And be a viable threat for the other side of the, uh, the defensive line for Aaron Rodgers or Andy Dalton or Jared Goff or whoever it is um, that the Vikings are trying to, to take down. That's, that's it. I don't, I mean, there's no way to, that's not a great answer. Cause it's not a quantifiable answer, but mm -hmm. That's what I'm looking for, whoever that guy is. And then, of course, the the kind of the inherent follow up to that is we've got three pieces, three moving parts. You've got the you know the starter competition throughout camp and Weatherly and Wanham, and then you've also got the quote wild card down Everson Griffin being brought back to the team. Uh, if you had to pick today, as of September 1st, who has the highest snap percentage of those three guys for you by season's end? I, it's tough, gonna, man. It's an interesting it question. It is because Griffin's the wild card. I, I, there's certainly a scenario I could see where Griffin ends up just being starter. Like, mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to, I'm going to go with Griffin just because of that. Um, and I also think they could also move Griffin inside a lot too right. in passing situations. So I don't know. Uh, that's my gut right now, but I, lean I, Griffin I don't too. have much, I don't have much of a finger on this. So. I think it very easily could be a situation where it's like, you know, 40, 30, 30 in terms of like, percentages right like they'll just keep testing out who's the most fresh right like yeah. put, the, put the guy who is sweating the least out there uh yeah because, and it's not like hunter will play 100 either i'm sure he'll right. play 75 to 80 or whatever it is so there'll be rotation all across the board but that adds to everson griffin snap count probably too yeah. by the way because he has the most experienced snap or pass rushing from daniel hunter's spot specifically right. so that's just another interesting element to consider here um, i think this is going to be a true by committee thing unless someone takes over and i think the most i'm with you i think the most likely candidate to take over as being you know a number you know a number two threat to Daniil Hunter is Everson Griffin at this point in time. I haven't seen enough from Wanham to merit true, you know, optimism with him. I think he's a quality player. I liked him as a pick. Uh, I think that there's real athleticism and moldability there. Um, but I think Everson Griffin is probably going to be the guy. Um, I think that's just by default. I, I just don't know if Weatherly and Wanham are good enough yet, but that remains to be seen as well. That's kind of the fun of the, of the football season, right?
Um, last piece here before we close this thing out, we didn't touch on the practice squad a whole lot. Um, right. Uh, these are guys that in general are, you know, probably not going to be fixtures in your team at really any point in their career. That being said, um, there's a reason for the practice squad, right? It's a developmental system. It's the quote D league for the NFL. It gives you the opportunity to stay on an NFL team and develop your talents. Uh, we got 10 guys here that are, you know, fairly interesting players. I think that it was strange to bring Abdullah back on the practice squad. That was interesting to me as a, again, as a quote, know what, who he is guy. You know, we talked a little bit last week about how important he might be as just a locker room presence. And that might just be the answer in and of itself. But mm -hmm. uh, most of these guys are younger players, right? You know, you've got Zach Bailey, Jake. Vargas, Tuff Borland, Zach Davidson, Miles Dorn, Dakota Dozier comes back. He's kind of in the same light as Abdullah, Kyle Hinton, Myron Mitchell, Perry Nickerson, Wap Filer, AJ Rose, Ty Smith, and Kenny Willickus are is your Vikings practice squad as of September 1st. Uh, we talked a little bit about Rose. Love to see him back there. Glad that no one snatched him up. I think he's a great running back number three in the event that Madison or Cook misses time. And we know from history that both those guys are susceptible to injury. So, like seeing Rose on there. That's really the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, I do like seeing the de development of Kenny Willickis as well. Uh, the Michigan state product who has the potential to move interior and exterior on the defensive line. He's also gotten some hype from uh, his, uh, his, his line coach, or I guess his defensive coordinator and Andre Smith. Um, so, you know, you've got, you've got a, you've got a couple of guys here who I think can develop into being, you know, quality players at the NFL level, but there's no one really outside of those two that jump off the page for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, and I, I would be curious to know, like if there's a way to evaluate and rank practice squad rosters in the NFL. Um, but yeah, AJ Rose obviously jumps out. Abdullah jumps out as again, that locker room type player that his veteran presence, I think we've talked about it before is going to be huge. Same with Dakota Dozier, actually um, having that starter experience. Um, should be a big help too. So yeah, I'm with you on those takeaways. Nothing huge there kind of, and also kind of flows with what, you know, people saw in camp and stuff. Like those are the guys probably you think you see like, you know, a tough board and like, yeah, that's probably a practice squad guy. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, uh, I said Andre Smith before I obviously meant Andre Patterson, but um, that being said, I think that about concludes our, uh, hour long analysis or so of this 53 man roster. Is there anything that we missed, uh, that you wanted to quick touch on? Um, Patrick Jones makes the roster as a rookie as well. That's nice to see Armin Watts is back as well. Uh, I don't think again, you know, not a whole lot of, you know, shockers here. Harrison no. hand making the roster might be a bit of a shock to some people, but I really liked his development, his progression this preseason. Um, is there anything else that we're missing here that we didn't talk about here today? You know, I, I don't think so. Um, I'm scared. That's I'm, I'm what is I'm the more biggest concern? Because I'm scared too. What is your I'm biggest just scared concern? of like Eric Hendricks or Harrison Smith getting an injury? And I, at that point, I'll be I, I will have no faith in the defense anymore just because what happened last year, like these guys got hurt, right? Kendrick's got hurt. Um, the you know, Dylan Hunter scared. got hurt, whatever it was. And these guys were out and that whole position group crumbled <laughs> until, you know, there was no pass rush last year at all. Right. Hunter was gone. That was it. And then obviously Griffin was gone too. So if these guys are removed from the, from the piece we saw from last year, there's just nothing to work with. And that concerns me a little bit. Now, 
if everybody's healthy, great. I, I'll, I'll enjoy the games. But now it's like every time a play happens, I'll be cringing because I'll be hoping nobody gets hurt. It's, it is very nerve-wracking, specifically at that linebacker spot, especially you know given the recent developments with Anthony DeBar. I believe it was tendonitis that they've been talking about with, with yeah. him specifically. That's just not. Do we know if he's going to even start week one? Do we know that? It's, we don't, and that's yeah. that's you know we've talked about. Still have DeBar Troy Die, you know, starting, which he made a couple of splash plays in preseason for sure. But it was like, it's like okay, well, you know, here we go. We're already starting this process with kind of inexperienced players getting the massive important reps week one, you know, um, it was kind of, I was in a Twitter conversation today with, uh, it was Ted Glover, uh, one of our favorites. And he was saying like, Vikings aren't cooked yet, but they're quickly at that point where in, another injury here or there, and they're all of a sudden they're, they're toast. You know, it's uh, the Irv Smith thing is kind of, it's, it's one uh, more, one domino leading to another. And then, if another one falls, the whole thing might tumble over. So, so I don't know. I'm in, not. I'm not confident. In theory, I mean, you look at the lineup that you just mentioned, right? The starting trio of linebackers. If the Vikings are in that base four three, Kendricks, Barr, and Vigil is your your starting group, right? Barr already has the, the injury question mark. It's you know very mm-hmm. do- well documented. Kendricks has injury history. Yeah. I don't want to call him injury, you know, ridden or anything of that nature. But if he goes down, all of a sudden you lose your your chess piece and bar and your your primary tackler and just your overall biggest weapon at that second level of your defense. You, those two guys are irreplaceable, right? You can't. There's nothing you can do about that. And you're already working on thin ice. Like if you do have to have, imagine if this group becomes Nick Vigil, Troy, Troy Dye, and let's say Ryan Connolly. Yeah. That's, you're not that far from that. You're really you're not. not. You're, you're I mean, Barr's already on. Barr's already maybe gone for the first game of this season, and it, it takes one play to knock Hendricks. It takes one play to knock any player in particular out, and it just seems like, relative to the rest of the league, I said it over and over, the depth on this team just seems to be significantly lacking compared to other teams. Where in the past, even with other Vikings rosters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, injury to Eric Hendricks. You're like, oh, that's that, that sucks, but like it's not going to knock the defense completely off kilter. And I feel like we saw last year that that was that's exactly what happened. So, I uh, yeah, it's it's a, a very extremely scared, opt- and not even optimism, just like scared anticipation for the season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing could go south real quick. I mean, you need to win that first game, and it seems like you know the Vikings might be missing some key pieces in that week one. Plus, Christian Derrissaw too. We didn't talk about like we didn't talk about that much. His lingering issue. He's got we have Rashawn Hill at start. Or, yeah, Rashad Hill starting at left tackle right now. That's uh, you know, that's interesting. Not that's, not awesome. <laughs> that's not what you want, right? Um, again, we've talked about Hill in the past. Some great spot starter. He's done a good job with that. But if Derrissaw has to miss more than three weeks real concern about your blind side kirk real concern there so i mean we need it's tough it's tough and i i know we've gotten the comments and stuff from people where it's like you know it's the beginning of the season like this is time for optimism like why aren't you guys i'm just i'm sick of and i've been guilty of this in the past but like bending the narrative to like make it like maintain optimism like today you get like oh geez all these vikings fans are doom and gloom now because they're tight ends out for the year it's like well it, in a way yeah but it's we were, we're doing gloom now because we were already depressed about the rest of the roster and this is just another domino falling so yes and no like you know take it for what you will i suppose yeah 
that's basically what it is. You know, I mean, I'm not going to knock anyone who's still optimistic. It's just that I respect it. Point. If you're optimistic, I respect it. Like you're <laughs> good for you, you know? Yeah, this is uh, this has been a trying time for Vikings fans for sure. This last these last couple of weeks have been have really tested our patience, uh, and I suppose we'll see. Uh, but I am I am concerned, and if this thing kind of falls apart early in the season, as it very well could, um, you know, Ma, <laughs> you might have Mond in there sooner than we all think. Just just by this spirit of kind of moving forward, and you know, it's a situation where if if this team starts off wrong on the wrong foot they're immediately got their backs against the wall because of their schedule um, because of their competition within the division and the Packers specifically you know the Bears are effectively giving you know us a little bit of a break by not starting fields immediately but unbelievable yeah unbelievable unbelievable yeah that's the title of the podcast by the way too Um, you know it's just a it's a tough situation but you know, there are reasons to be excited still. Football season is right around the corner. And, of course, that means that we'll have two episodes coming up uh, in the near future here. I believe we will speak to you guys one more time uh, before the Vikings officially kick off. And at that point in time, uh, you know, we will move to our regular uh, Tuesday, Thursday schedule um, on the Climb in the Pot Pocket Network on Daily Norseman as well. Uh, so that's kind of the game plan moving forward. The next time you hear from us will be a, our first preview episode of the season. We'll be taking a look at the Bengals, how the Vikings match up with them, um, getting an opportunity to see Joe Burrow firsthand, uh, being the first team to see him coming off of injury. Uh, that's kind of exciting just in and of itself as if you're a football fan and, you know, uh, an NFL fan as a whole and not just a Vikings fan, you know, the opportunity to see a guy like that uh, come back from injury and, you know, potentially dig into your Vikings. Uh, we'll take a look at that and um, the other players on that roster as well. So that's the game plan for the upcoming season here. Um, as always, we appreciate you guys listening to us uh, kind of going through the motions with us, especially as you get into the dog days of summer here, but uh, we have arrived at the regular season and uh, both of us are very excited to, you know, be creating content for this and um, moving the show forward and uh, with our regular programming of Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday. So look for us there, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcast, we are there either on the Climbing the Not Pocket Network or on our net, or on our page specifically, the Unbelievable Podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube as well. As always, I'm just going to give you the disclaimer. There's nothing to see. Uh, it's just Drew and I talking. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's your mode of audio that you what choose. What a great ad. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, the people are always like, well, you shouldn't be driving people to all your different streams of content, right? And I'm like, nah, you know what? You probably shouldn't be seeing us on YouTube because, like, who really cares? Like, we're not doing anything special. But on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, et cetera, that's where we'll be at. So please continue listening to the show. We appreciate you guys, uh, you know, taking an hour out of your day with us, and we're excited to uh, get this thing rolling. So, um, oh, he's got the he's got the Klein Saucer bobblehead. There you go. There's a reason to watch it on YouTube. Yeah, right there. <laughs> All right, folks, Um, it's been real. Uh, We'll see you. We'll talk to you shortly here about the Bengals. But until then, um, enjoy uh, the rest of your summer here as we ramp up into the fall. And uh, we will catch you next week.